I want to bring your attention to something that the uh, the Apostle John had said. You want to turn to John chapter 21. In the last verse of the Gospel of John, it's something very interesting, and I know that uh, we've read it, uh, and I know that you have read it, Uh, It says that in addition to what is written, John has said, there are many other things that Jesus did while walking among us. And if we go to uh, John chapter 21, look at verse 25. This is what he says. He says, and there are also many other things which Jesus did. This is the very last thing that John has written in in the gospel account. He says, And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written, every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. It's through the Scriptures, beloved, uh, that we get an incredible glimpse of our Savior and of all that has been recorded I will tell you, it is just a glimpse of all He did while here. There were many incidents in the life of Jesus that are recorded, but of the stories uh, that He told and the miracles that He worked, there are around, if you want to count them, there are around 75 that are recorded. (laughs) Considering who Jesus is, you would think that there would be, uh, um, as John says, many, many books written about the life of Christ while here. And yet what was written is for our edification, is for our salvation. So when we think of Jesus returning, we think of, of heaven, it is without bounds the things that we are going to see, the things we're going to experience, the, the, the life of Christ we're going to learn about, the things that He has done and the things that we will do and He will do throughout eternity. The devil paints a poor picture of salvation. He paints a poor picture of eternal life sitting on a cloud with a harp playing for eternity, really who would want that? It's much more. There was much more that Jesus did while here. There's much more, friends, and I want to encourage you to think on those things. In Matthew chapter 9, you can read how He went through all the cities. This is one of the things about Jesus. It says He went through all the cities and villages healing the people. In fact, if you do of those 75 uh, stories that Jesus told and the things written about Jesus, a lot of what Jesus did was medical missionary work. He healed people. In fact, in the book The Desire of Ages, page 241, it says, The people of Nazareth knew that He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by Satan. About them were whole villages where there was not a moan of sickness in any house, for He had passed through them and healed all their sick. Jesus doesn't leave anything undone, friends. 
If He promises He's going to return, He will return. You can count on it. He healed all of these people. I doubt there's a single town of any size in the United States today where there is not a single sick person. And the few miracles that, and I say few miracles because again, as John is telling us in the life of Jesus, <laughs> if everything was recorded, it'd fill up the whole earth with books. But the few miracles that are recorded were the ones that the Holy Spirit inspired to write down because of special significance to us. In Luke 17, starting at verse 21, Jesus related uh, to His disciples not only the truth about His second coming, but also conditions in the world in the, the last days just before He would return. Now again, when you're reading these things, we've got to understand when the Bible was written, there were no chapter and verse divisions. Those things were added. So this account continues on in, into uh, the 18th chapter. But from verse 21 of, of Luke 17 down through uh, 32, Jesus speaks about how in the last days uh, it would be like it was in the days of Noah and in the days of Lot. And He gives a number of counsels there. And I encourage you to study that out. Then he says in Luke 17 and verse 33, if you look at verse 33, he says something very interesting as he gives these accounts of the last days and just before he is to come. Remember, it's going to be like Noah's day. It's going to be like uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot's day. He says, whosoever, that includes everyone, right? Whosoever shall seek to save his life will save his life. No. It says, shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. It's a very interesting statement by the Lord here. You see, to save one's life is to seek first the things of the present life. It's all about me. i got to preserve myself. See? To save my life. Forgetting the kingdom of God and His righteousness, as Jesus spoke in Matthew 6.33. To seek to save His life. Whosoever shall seek to save His life in sustaining Himself. If that's all there is to your life, you're going to lose it. Jesus said, Whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. A man loses his life for the sake of Christ. When he when he he denies or renounces self, see, and takes up the cross of Christ. Can you turn that down. Now this kind of walk, this walk of losing life and giving oneself to Christ, of denying, of renouncing self, this walk of carrying the cross takes persistence in prayer and in keeping our eyes upon Christ. Peter said in 1 Peter 4.7, he says, But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. 
Are we not seeing the end of all things? Aren't we seeing the signs? Are we paying attention? Friends, if you as a Christian are not paying attention, I'm telling you those who aren't Christians are. They know that something is going on. This world is completely different from the world they knew before. It's not the same world as when my grandparents lived. It's not the same world as when my parents were young. It's not the same world as when I was young. We need to be sober. That means serious. We need to watch. We need to pray. In Luke 21, verse 36, Jesus said, Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass. That shall come to pass. And he says, And to stand before the Son of Man. Friends, I'm going to tell you something. The Bible, the Bible is very plain that everybody's going to stand before the Son of Man. But are we going to be worthy to stand before the Son of Man? Are we going to be able to stand and see Jesus face to face at His second coming? While the wicked are fleeing and crying and sighing for the rocks and mountains to fall upon them. If we are, we're going to have have to have that intimate relationship with our Lord and Savior, which means not just studying about His life and reading, but talking to Him in prayer. Communicating with Him. Prayer is more than a duty, friends. It is a necessity. And the lesson is to be fervent and always in, in a communicative state with God. Now Jesus goes on in Luke 18 verses 2 to 5 to tell a story about a lady whose husband had died and he left her in in debt and her adversaries had come and taken everything she had everything she had except her own life and she was in a position where she didn't know how she was going to get it back how was she going to sustain be sustained She had enemies that had come and taken everything. Let's go back to Luke 18. There was in a city a judge. This is Luke 18 verse 2. There was in a city a judge which feared not God. Yeah, he's a judge. Do we not have judges in this world that fear not God? Do we have judges in this country that are not believers in God? Absolutely. Then here's one Jesus is speaking about. Neither regarded man. He didn't fear God and he didn't care about his fellow men. Would you say that this was a judge that was seeking to save his own life? Or was he losing his life and going to preserve it. There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. Well, he doesn't care about man. He doesn't fear God. 
And the first part of verse 4 says, and he would not. He would not. This judge persistently repulsed the woman, this widow. Again and again she was treated with contempt. He continually said no. And Jesus described him. He, did, he described this judge. He was unrighteous. He was unjust. Now the woman was in trouble. She needed help. But he kept refusing to help her. Now I want you to think about this in relation to the times that we're living in and God's people. You see, in this parable, Jesus describes the situation that His people will go through in the last days. But you'll see that the woman did not give up. She persistently kept going back to the judge. In fact, you read, read in Christ's Objects Lessons, page 175, it says it was Christ who gave the pleading widow courage and determination before the judge. Now, we have to stop and ask ourselves at some time, why does she keep going back to this unjust judge? You know, there are times, beloved, when we must stand on principle. Isn't that right? Do we not choose to do things at loss to ourselves based upon principle? Or do we do it from preference? Jesus is trying to teach and instill within us the principles of God's kingdom, beloved. Are we going to be able to stand before the Son of Man on principle? The principle of Christ? The principles of God? It was Christ who gave the pleading widow courage and determination before the judge. You know, many people at times have been denied by the legal system. And this was the widow's experience. She kept going to the only place that she could go in this world to get help. (laughs) And though she was continually refused and, and could not get the help she needed, she just kept asking. Finally, something did happen. Because of her persistence. Go to verse 4 again. We'll finish it out. And he would not, this judge, says verse 3, And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, there it's said again, you get an idea of his character. Yet because this widow troubleth me, she's really being a pain. Isn't that what he's saying? Isn't it all about him? Yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. I'm losing my patience with this woman. She's interrupting my my life. I'm seeking to save See? This judge was selfish. But it's getting to a point that people are starting to notice. 
They're noticing this woman keeps coming to him and he keeps treating her with disrespect as if she doesn't even deserve to live. And so to save his own reputation, he gave in to her demand. You see, he was afraid that if she came too many times, eventually there might be some some real publicity about this. And his partial one-sided judgment might become open to the public. And so to save his reputation, though he had no pity, you got to remember, what, was, what kind of man was he? He didn't fear God. He didn't regard man. He wasn't dealing with her because of any cares he had for her. To save his reputation, he didn't have any pity. He didn't have any compassion. He was going to avenge her just to get rid of her. Now, this story is not only to demonstrate the kind of legal system that God's people have to deal with, especially in the last days, but also to draw a contrast between the earthly judge, friends, and the judge that we have in heaven. Now, I want you to notice what Jesus says in verses 6 to 8. Luke chapter 18, verses 6 to 8. Jesus said, Hear what the unjust judge saith, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? Jesus says, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Interesting words Jesus is telling us here. Friends, this is actually one of the most striking stories in the Bible about the condition in the world in the last days just before Jesus comes. Notice how it ends in the last part of verse 8. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? I mean, what is the implication of that statement from our Savior? Remember what Jesus said before that. Jesus said in Luke 17 that it would be like the days of Noah. Isn't that what He said? It would be like the days of Lot. And now He says, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on the earth? Let me ask you a question. Does this, does this text, this, this statement from Jesus sound like all the world is going to be converted before He comes? No. It sounds like just the opposite, doesn't it? It sounds just like in the days of Noah where there were eight people who were saved on an ark. It sounds like the days of Lot when there were only three. Remember, Lot's wife turned back, became a pillar of salt. Shall he find faith on the earth? Jesus describes our Heavenly Father in exactly the opposite way as the unjust judge. The unjust judge would not do anything to help. But verses 7 and 8 of Luke say, God Shall God not avenge His own elect who cry out day and night to Him? I tell you that He will avenge them. How? Speedily, He said. Speedily. 
Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. There was an angel that went to heaven, got his orders, and went back to, to that den before Daniel hit the ground. That speed. This widow, having lost her husband, was alone in the world with no one to help her. In the same way, because of the sin of our our first parents, all on this planet have lost their connection with God. And we have no means to save ourselves except through Jesus Christ. Because of the infinite price that has been paid on the cross of Calvary, the elect of God, friends, are dear to His heart. And when we're in trouble and we make an appeal to God, that appeal will be heard and it will be answered. Now, it may not be answered in just the way that we think or maybe in the way that we expect. There are some experiences where it seems as if our prayers are not being heard or not being answered But you see, friends, this is where faith comes in. It is for us to believe by faith that our prayers have been heard and answered. We can learn a great many things about God. For many of the Bible figures, that's why they were included in in the Scriptures, so we can learn from their experiences. And we can learn a lot of things about God from the life of His servant David, who went through some similar trying experiences. Compared to what's going to happen, friends, to God's faithful at the end of time, I want you to think of this. While being chased and hunted like a wild beast, David came to a point that he was perplexed as to what to do. Whom could he trust? Would somebody else betray him? You see, he had lost confidence in everybody. I want to go to Patriarchs and Prophets. I'm going to spend a little time there. I encourage you to Read, study about David's life. There are tremendous parallels in his life compared to God's people before Jesus comes. It's truly remarkable. Notice what it says here, Patriarchs and Prophets, page 657. He saw in every man a spy and a betrayer. In a great emergency, David had looked up to God with a steady eye of faith and had vanquished the Philistine giant. He believed in God. He went in His name. But as He had been hunted and persecuted, perplexity and distress had nearly hidden His heavenly Father from His sight. Do you have perplexities in your life? Are there things happening in your life where you're distressed? Are you paying so much attention to those things and your your eyesight has been taken off of Christ, has been taken off of our Heavenly Father? Now David here, he was in this condition and while he was in this condition, he made some serious mistakes. <laughs> but what you notice as it goes on, it says, Oh, what a God is ours! 
who deals gently with the erring and manifests his patience and tenderness in adversity. And when we are overwhelmed with some great sorrow, we have a God who loves us. He deals with us gently, friends. He's very patient and long-suffering. He's tender towards us. Does that describe someone who is a dictator or someone who loves us? She says, every failure on the part of the children of God is due to their lack of faith. When shadows encompass the soul, when we want light and guidance, we must look up. There is light beyond the darkness. (laughs) That's why, you know, I try to encourage people, keep looking up. You got to keep looking up. There is light beyond the darkness. If you oh go several pages further in the patriarchs and uh, patriarchs and prophets, page six seventy two. This is really good. It says God works out His plans, though to human eyes they are veiled in mystery. Men cannot understand the ways of God, and looking at appearances. They interpret the trials and tests and provings that God permits to come upon them as things that are against them and that only work their ruin. Friends, when you've given your heart and your life to Jesus, He allows you to go through certain experiences, but they're all for your best interest. Now, sometimes we make choices. God doesn't coerce our will ever, ever. Some things being taught today that certain circumstances God will dictate things. God does never take our choice away. But we see certain trials and, and sometimes they may hit us all at once, you know. You know the old saying, if it, if it rains, it pours. <laughs> and that's, I've, I've experienced that before. Sometimes you have weeks, maybe several weeks, or it might even be a few months where it just seems like one thing after another. But there's always a rainbow, friends. God's promises are sure. We've got to realize that everything that we go through, God has allowed for our, our salvation, our best interest. But we too often look at them as things that are going to ruin us. What am I going to do now? Here's that widow, remember? And there are many people today who continually have this kind of perplexity. They have it. And the sad thing is, it is as we learned, it is faith. Every failure on the part of the children of God is due to their lack of faith. We see it in the church. People get tied up on, on perplexities continually and continually and continually. That's what they dwell on instead of dwelling on Christ. What am I to learn from this experience? And why is it taking so long? Sometimes it takes so long, beloved, because we're not learning. Learning. 
Continuing on, she says, David looked on appearances and not at the promises of God. He doubted that he would ever come to the throne. Long trials had wearied his faith and exhausted his patience. And that was a lesson for him. But what happened? He looked at the appearances. Friends, you've got to quit looking at the appearances all the time. You've got to stop. And you've got to look up. Look at the promises of God. Talk to God in prayer. If you don't understand why you're going through something, ask God, what is the lesson you're trying to teach me in this? Or who am I supposed to reach in this experience? Help me, Lord, to see. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. David had suffered through long trials being hunted like a beast by the king of Israel for approximately 10 years. Can you imagine? Gee, we go through a few days and how do we react? David was looking over his shoulder. 10 years. I mean, no doubt it felt like that was going to last forever to him. That's the way it seemed to David. And that's the way it looked to this poor widow who came to this unjust judge. Now remember, I want you to to look at this as it is, this story. It applies to God's people in the last days, friends. It applies to us. The widow said to the unjust judge, Avenge me of mine adversary. Who was her adversary? Who is our adversary? Is it flesh and bones or is it Satan? You know, the word Satan comes from the Hebrew word Sultan. It's an exact transliteration of the Hebrew word that, that is a name for the devil. It means your adversary. And as the woman pleaded, God's children plead and say, Lord, avenge me of my adversary. I need help. I can't help myself. I cannot get out of the situation that I'm in. I don't know how long it's going to go on. Lord, please deliver me from this. What was it that Jesus said? That God will avenge His own elect. How quickly? Speedily, He said. Speedily. In Zechariah 3, if you go there and read, there's a story recorded where Satan stands up to oppose God's children. He is our adversary, friends. He wants to destroy us. And he doesn't work alone, he has many agents. Many agents. When God's children pray, Pray, avenge me of mine adversary. Their adversary is the devil and his agents. And let me tell you something. Those agents include the majority of human beings in this world. And they're working out some social conditions that will exist in the last days. We see this. 
My beloved brethren up in Michigan know it all too well. Economic issues that this country has been going through for a number of years. The rest of America is catching up to that. Jesus had said and inspired His prophets and His disciples to warn us and tell us of these days. James describes it. James 5, verse 1, Go to now, ye rich man, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered, and the rest of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. What an apt description of the federal government, of these politicians, these bureaucrats in the United States today. Where are the billions of dollars that were to go to economic growth? They've gone into the pockets of people who have a character like that of the unjust judge. They fear not God, they care not for man. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth. I've never seen anybody... I'm not into politics, friends, but I will tell you this. I've never seen a President of the United States have so many vacations and pleasure trips in all my life. It's clear to me that this particular person doesn't see the weight of his office the responsibility he has. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. Ye have nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just and he doth not resist you. Friends, this is the kind of world that we live in today. Full of oppression and extortion. So there are some classes in the world that are starving. There are people in Africa with children that cannot afford to eat more than one meal a day if they get that. And some in our very own country. In Isaiah 59, verse 14, it says, And judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth far off. For truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. Is, not, is this not a description of the time we're living in? Isn't this what we're warned about? Isn't this what will usher in the last great conflict? The mark of the beast? What do you do when because of the legal system and because of the social system some become wealthy and others cannot survive? I mean, maybe maybe you're on the short end of the stick, and, and you're in a situation where you don't you don't know how you're going to survive. What will you do? 
Do you go to God? Do you look up? In Psalms 15, verse 15, it says, And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Praise God! (laughs) We have hope. If you and I are going to survive until the end of the world, we're going to have to learn how to pray, friends. We're going to have to learn how to look up. When we get into difficulty and there's no way out, we're going to have to learn how to call upon the Lord, depend upon Him to solve our problem rather than depending on human beings. You know, the temptation is always to depend on human beings to solve our problem. When we're in difficulty, we think that we need a physician. Now, physicians and and I'll even say it, lawyers, you know, or even insurance agents, they certainly have their place. But the kinds of troubles that God's people are going to have to deal with in the very last days are not going to be solved by physicians and lawyers and insurance agents. No, friends. Those who endure to the end, they're going to live by faith. They're going to live by faith in God. This is why Hebrews chapter 11 is so important for God's people. It's the faith chapter, but it's the encouragement chapter. It's the keep going chapter. It's the keep looking up chapter. Interesting thing in Hebrews 11, verses 33 and 34. Who through faith subdued kingdoms wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. How? Through faith in God's promises. Christ Objects Lessons, page 172. And speaking about Hebrews 11.33 here. It says, The children of God are not left alone and defenseless. Prayer moves the arm of omnipotence. Prayer has subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises. Notice she quotes it. Stop the mouths of lions, quench the violence of fire. We shall know what it means when we hear the reports of the martyrs who died for their faith. Turneth to flight the armies of the aliens. Beloved, remember, when you pray, you have an audience in the chamber of the one who is the Most High God, who has absolute authority and power over the whole creation, the whole universe. She says there, we shall know what it means. (laughs) We shall know what it means. In other words, we do not know now. We do not know what it means, but we will know what it means when we hear the reports of the martyrs who died for their faith in the three angels' messages. 
We will know what it means. It's true, there are some texts in the Bible we don't understand. But we will know what it means someday. I love this quote in Christ's Object Lessons, page 173. If we surrender our lives to His service, we can never be placed in a position for which God has not made provision. What? If we surrender our lives to His service, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, Jesus said. If we surrender our lives to His service, we can never, get that word never? We can never be placed in a position for which God has not made provision. Never! That's powerful. That's remarkable. What a mighty God we have. What a caring, loving God we have. Praise His name. question is have you surrendered your life to the Lord? Beloved, I don't know what situation necessarily you're experiencing. I mean, a lot of people who describe to me situations that I can scarcely comprehend. I mean, even after they describe them to me. I don't know what kind of trouble you're facing, beloved, but it is impossible that you could be in a situation where God has not made provision to help you. And as long as we're in the world, this world, we're going to have problems on the outside. We're going to have these things on the outside. Jesus wants to come back. Do you believe it? Do you believe He's going to come back? I do. Jesus said it. I believe it. He wants to come back. He wants to take His children out of the world to where there will there not going to be any more trouble. And we want to be delivered from the devil's power. Don't we? The widow said, Avenge me of mine adversary. Friends, we want to be delivered from the devil's power that's all around us and causing so much trouble. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. We must be delivered from the enemy on the inside before we can be delivered from the enemy on the outside. Christ's Object Lessons, page 175. It says, Christ desires nothing so much as to redeem His heritage from the dominion of Satan. But before we are delivered from Satan's power without, we must be delivered from His power within. Beloved, before we can partake of the power of the latter reign, we must be partaking of the early reign. friends, and that's why we're still here. That's why we're still here. It's not that Jesus doesn't want to come back. It's not that He doesn't want to come back and get us out of this place. 
But before He can deliver us from the devil's power on the outside, we must first be delivered from His power that's within. Jesus taught this over and over and over in the Gospels. Matthew chapter 23. You can read Matthew 23. It's the woes to the scribes and the Pharisees. Notice what He's teaching here. Verse 25, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! Why are they hypocrites? For ye make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. You see, the rich would would buy these tombs and they would paint the doorways white and make them beautiful and plant gardens. They looked good on the outside, but inside were dead men's bones. And Jesus said, Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Man's way is always to try to make himself or herself look good on the outside. Isn't that true? Keep up the appearance. Whole industries in the world are devoted to glossing over any imperfection in order to make us look good on the outside. But Jesus wants us to look good on the inside. Where is your heart? Are you delivered from Satan's power within? Maybe you're troubled because of the power of temptations on the inside. And like David, it just seems as if your patience, your faith has just been exhausted and there, there's just nothing left. Some may have prayed for so long for something that they say, Lord, I, I just cannot keep going. I want to encourage you. Keep holding on. Keep running the race. There are invisible armies of light and power who attend the meek and lowly ones of God who who believe and claim His promises. These angels keep a record of every detail of your life. They know every trial that you're going through. They're also measuring your character development. Are you getting free from the power of the devil inside? Friends, a sure record is kept of any injustice or cruelty that is done, whether mental, spiritual, or physical. Paul said in Hebrews 10.37, For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. For yet a little while, avenge me my adversary. James went on, James 5 verse 7. Be patient therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it 
until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. God is doing a mighty work in the world. He's getting people ready in the midst of all their troubles. The Bible says that we must, through much tribulation, enter the kingdom of God. You can read that in Acts 14. God is working out a plan, friends. He's working out a plan in your life to prepare you for heaven. Do you believe it? Will He find faith in you? But because of God's, oh, long forbearance, men have become bold in trampling upon His authority. And they say what the psalmist said. Well, does God really know? Does God, does, does He know what I'm doing? Does He really know? But you see, there's a line beyond which they cannot pass. And that also applies to nations. Boy, you know, the United States is, as a nation has gone through a number of crises in the last few years. And these crises are increasing both in number and in speed. Have you noticed it? Nations, families, individuals. They're in trouble more today than at any other time I can remember. God has often permitted matters to reach a crisis so that His interference might be more marked. We're fast coming to a time, friends, when the defiance of God's law is almost universal. You know, and in talking to religious people, they talk as if we have the authority to change it, to adjust it. Speaking of God's law. Man, I think of that. What a fearful thing in the day of judgment it would be to be asked why liberty was taken to adjust something in His law. Wow. That's a question I don't ever want to be asked. The time is coming when man will change and adjust the law of God. It's at our doorstep. And ironically, the only part they want to change and adjust is the very heart of the law. It's the longest commandment in the law. And Jesus said what? It'd be easier for heaven and earth to pass away before a part of the letter to fail. Matthew 5, 17. Beloved, very soon, very soon, God is going to say to His children, it's found in Isaiah 26, Come, my people, Enter thou, enter into, enter thou into thy chambers, and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment, until the indignation be overpassed. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood, and shall no more cover her slain. Beloved, the Lord is coming. And when He comes, the widow who could not get justice is going to be avenged for avenged of her adversary. Who's that adversary? The devil. The widow represents God's people, His church, His flock, His fold, who in the world have been destitute, afflicted, 
tormented. But the day is coming, the Bible says, when God will be judge Himself. And when that happens, the decisions of all the unjust judges in the world, whether in the church or the state, are going to be reversed. Friends, whatever cross you have borne, whatever loss you have sustained, whatever persecution you have suffered, even if you have lost your life, Jesus is going to recompense you. In Hebrews 11, Moses chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season because he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Those are verses 25 and 26. What is the recompense of the reward? Jesus said in Matthew 19.29, And everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. The story of the widow and the unjust judge is a story from which when studied, we may find great comfort. Jesus said that God is going to avenge His own elect speedily. He's going to deliver them and give them a reward for what they've suffered in this world. Whatever trouble or trial you you may be going through right now, I encourage you to cry out to the God of heaven. Remember, Prayer moves the arm of omnipotence and your prayer will not be lost. It may not be answered immediately the way you think, but your prayer will never be lost. It will always be answered in some way. My friends, commit your life to the Lord, to His service. If you do, you can never be placed in a situation in this world for which God has not made provision for you. If you commit yourself to Him, He's going to save you. And friends, the question is not whether God will hear your prayers. The question is, when you're in trouble, will you keep praying? Will you be like that widow? Be persistent. I hope that you will. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your continued love and watch care over us who are too often so wicked and sinful. We pray, Lord, claiming your promise that you make provision for us in all our difficulties. We pray, Lord, that you will sustain us, that you will answer our prayer that you will bring peace and joy to our heart and know that all these things come about because of our best interest, that you have our best interest at heart in all things, and that you will avenge us speedily. Father, we pray that you will cover us with your hand, that you will save us from the enemy, our adversary, and that Jesus... His coming will be hastened by our activity and our faith. Increase our faith, Lord, and forgive us our unbelief. Please continue to bless us on this most holy Sabbath day and the coming days ahead. Help us to keep looking up, Lord, to Thee. 
and, and be encouraged to strive, to strive to win the race. We thank You, Lord, for Jesus and for hearing this prayer as we pray in His name. 